and welcome to Suds, the weekly podcast from Startup Daily TV on Ausbiz. I'm Simon Thompson, editor of StartupDaily.net, and I'm right here with my good friend, Friday host and producer, Elliot Hastie. Simon, welcome back to Sydney. Now, before we get into the program, you were down in Adelaide. Tell us all about it. What were you doing down there? Oh my gosh, it was, it's been 12 months since the last South Start. I went down for that festival full of uh, founders, investors and many others. I had a couple of days of cracking jokes as the MC, sometimes at my <laughs> own expense. Um, I love the fact, and hello, uh, Premier Stephen Marshall, if you are listening. Uh, he's a bit busy at the moment because South Australia goes to the polls on Saturday, tomorrow. So... Uh, We'll see what happens there, whether the Liberal government stays in power after one term. They've had four years. The good news was that uh, at the event, the government announced three years' worth of funding to South Start. So congrats to Swanee and Danielle for that, securing the event for the next three years, because it is fantastic, you know. I think we had 200 people in the room doing the Founders uh, and Investors Forum up at Sepplesfield, this wonderful old winery, on the Thursday. And then on the... Uh, Friday, we're all together in the big room at the National Wine Centre talking about a range of issues from impact investing to a really good good bunch of conversation. So two things at wineries. So was this about startups or about wine, Simon? And then we <laughs> might have been uh, having a few uh, in between. As I said, turns out that having 19 Montepulcionos is roughly the same feeling as COVID-19, except uh, I thankfully came away unscathed on the COVID front. Look, I'll have to take your word for it, but... In terms of some of the tech news that has come out of around the world, we are, of course, looking over at the UK, Simon. Oh, look, isn't this extraordinary? This story broke on Thursday uh, on theinformation.com. Sylvia Varnum got news that the UK government is set to reveal new offences that could send tech executives to, uh, from companies like Facebook and TikTok to jail. But surely, I mean... It would be interesting to see how this actually works. But when you look over in Europe and you talk about the tech companies, I mean, Apple's been given a fine by the Netherlands now for six weeks running. Like, will the tech CEOs actually listen? Well, jail is a very different proposition, Elliot. We've all... Who hasn't parked their Rolls-Royce or Ferrari in sort of the disabled zone or the no-stopping zone and taken the fine? And that's just a cost of doing business. And I reckon, you know, for the big tech guys, same sort of thing. The fines... No one's really too worried. You just put those in and somewhere along the way they're a business expense. Anyway, if you're going to be jailed for failing to take down content, destroying data, providing false information to the regular or obstructing officials from searching company offices, that's a very different proposition uh, in terms of the way people will behave. They're talking about draft proposals, which uh, companies will have two years to get up to speed on. But, of course, the really interesting part is if it happens there, what would happen after that? It's going to keep going, and in particular, I think they point out Australia, New Zealand, it would be the Commonwealth clubs that would probably follow suit. But I just don't know if we'll get up. You know, there's a lot of some strange laws going on in the UK right now, so who knows if any of them... um, you know, will make it through to the courts. But, of course, we're seeing legislation all over the place. And the other example of that was the European Parliament's Committee of Economic and Monetary Affairs, which this week, thankfully, I think to the relief of many, decided not to ban a whole bunch of cryptocurrencies around proof of work. Well, it certainly would have banned uh, Bitcoin, which does work on proof of work. Ethereum does at the moment as well, but it has the ability to move to proof of stake, whereas no one actually believes... Bitcoin um, can do the same. But 
it all does come down to that sort of energy intensivity, doesn't it, Simon? Yeah, and that's the other part because crypto mining could still be categorised as unsustainable by January 2025. If that happens, then support and investment from European companies and governments would be barred. So not quite a ban at that point, but still massive ramifications for the cryptocurrency. I have to say, though, we, we talk about crypto all the time on an Ausbiz show called Cracking Crypto. So if you are into crypto, definitely check that one out. And we had a guest on, Adam Stokes, who pointed out that gold has three times the amount of CO2 emissions each year. Banks are five times the amount of energy intensivity that crypto is. And with crypto, with that lesser, you also get to trade it all the time, whereas banks are obviously during office hours. So he pointed out rightly, we've got our attention on crypto, but it's far from the worst offender. Well, you know, it wouldn't be the first time a politician goes, hey, look over there, everyone. (laughs) Adam is very blunt about what he thinks is going on there. So do check that out over on the AusBiz channel. And also on the AusBiz channel, you can, of course, watch Startup Daily. And Simon, we had a great few guests this week. We had some cracking guests and some very big news. But one of my favourites, I have to say, was Lucy Cook from WA. She's got a company called Space Draft that she launched a few years ago. She used to be a production manager on the set of shows like Game of Thrones. She worked on Harry Potter. She worked on Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, she's been there, done all of this. You know, the really wild thing about it is how they deal with all of the plotting and the mapping and everything. It's basically toy cars and, you know, Lego Harry Potters moving around. When she was explaining it, it did just sound like, oh, no, the the kids are in the sandpit and then just driving trucks and going, oh, yeah, we'll replicate that on film. Yeah, and, and of course, it was a massive problem in logistics. So I did ask her in the interview, because she was down on a Mexican film set, you know, where the experience came from, the idea came from for her company, Space Draft, which is all about being able to map out ideas across space and time, 2, 3, 4D. Here's what she said. I always had quite a crazy imagination, uh, which led me to work in Hollywood uh, in visual effects on films and big budget productions such as Game of Thrones and, and Harry Potter. And I realised on set um, in Mexico that there wasn't a way to communicate the plan for the set before you got to the set on the day. And with thousands of people running around, there's always a crisis somewhere. And I I realized that there needed to be a cloud-based web app that could help anyone without any technical skill, visualize the plan in their head and almost telepathically send it to everyone else in the um, situation scenario. The interesting thing was I wanted to know who's using it now and she has got an extraordinary range of customers from the mining sector. People are using it for wedding planning. It's like, it's really incredible. What she's just done is of course a $1.5 million seed plus round where she can really ramp it up and take the whole thing national. But I wanted to know who she thought her customers were. She told the story of how she first gave it a go. Have a listen to this. Teenagers are the solution to all of your problems when it comes to an MVP. Uh, I wanted some really ruthless testers to tell me that I was either crazy or I wasn't. So I went to 13-year-old boys um, (laughs) at at some uh, local schools here in WA. And I, I said to them, I said, how would you design a video game? I said, oh, well, you know, we'd probably film Lego moving around. I said, well, why don't you try this tool? And these beautiful schools and the teachers, uh, um, they knew that planning was boring for kids. 
So if we could gamify the process of planning, then, you know, we'd be onto something. Um, Canva, for example, we love Canva. Canva's amazing. It's, it's a two-dimensional visualization software, but the difference with us is that we're over time and space. So as soon as the kids started using Space Draft instead of Canva, they were, they were building worlds and crafting stories rather than just printing pictures. Can you imagine being those kids and being told, hey, look, we're gonna, you, we want you to test this thing and you're literally just getting to run around creating moving logistical things that end up being used on mining sites. Yeah, well, just making video games. I mean, you know, she talked about, you know, that love of Canva and how impressed she is from that. But, of course, being able to take it from 2D into these dimensions and worlds that these kids are creating, what an amazing tool. I haven't had a crack at it yet, but I really want to have a go at Space Draft. I now really want to organise something just so I can work out the logistics of it and be like to the photographer, now this is your angles, this is how it's going to, people walk down here. (laughs) Or you could do the whole thing for every episode on Ausbiz every day, Elliot. You know, the whole plot point's all ready to go. Oh, the last call will never look better. Now, Simon, one of the other ones that we did have on was David Griffin from Sun Cable. Now, this was a huge uh, round that he just finished. Yeah, $210 million Series B. And, of course, tech and mining billionaires Mike Cannon-Brooks from Atlassian and Dr Andrew Forrest from Fortescue have backed this project again. I am just blown away by the scale of this thing. I'm really excited by it. But for people who are unfamiliar with what they're up to, the project is to basically put a big solar plant out in the middle of the Northern Territory. Um, We're talking about 17 to 20 gigawatt solar farm near Tennant Creek, along with up to 42 gigawatt hours of battery storage. Then they're going to build a 4,200-kilometre cable running from Darwin all the way to Singapore where it will supply up to 15% of the island state's power. So just a small project, just something in the back garden, you know, just, just going to impact a few people. <laughs> it's a little bit different to a couple of panels on the roof at home, isn't it? You know, and there's a great Australian company based here in Sydney that is involved with this, which I also think is fantastic because they've built these components, panels that sort of you can do it with. So the whole thing is amazing. So I was really, really thrilled that Sun Cable founder and CEO David Griffin could join us in the studio this week just to take us through the project. And I sort of said, you know, this is pretty amazing and here you are going sort of all the way up to the equator in Singapore with a cable. So can this kind of go anywhere, you know? If you're a state premier and say, I'll have some of that, can you send a line my way? He talked about all the work they've gone in so far. And when you hear about the potential, it's absolutely extraordinary. Here's what he explained about being able to replicate it. Uh, Replication is always entirely uh, achievable. So um, this funding raise, this capital raise, uh, $210 million, most of that is dedicated towards uh, the, the delivery of the Australia-Asia powerlink, getting us to financial close. Mm. But there's a large uh, amount of that capital uh, that is dedicated to accelerating our broader uh, project portfolio. Um, we, over the last few years, we've developed a lot of IP in regards to how to develop a, a system of this scale uh, developed on an intercontinental transmission basis. And uh, we always knew this was going to be a first of a kind and we always knew it was going to be the first of many. So we're going to replicate this time and time, time again. There should be some people that are watching this one very, very closely to see, you know, obviously energy is front of mind, not just because it's an election, but Russia as well. So 
this is one to watch. Oh, absolutely. And just imagine, you know, sort of uh, Twiggy and uh, Cannon Brooks have done just fine so far out of Atlassian and mining. Uh, imagine if they make a second fortune out of this business. They've invested a couple of times now. Um, of course, it is a, a capital-intensive business and there's lots of hardware involved. But again, just the scope and imagination. And of course, the, the Australia transforming energy in around the world with this project. So you're saying I should get my spare coins out and try to chip in a few bucks here or there and I can become the next uh, Cannon Brooks? Mate, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's time to cash in that sun coin and uh, put it into this project. Unfortunately, I don't have all the crypto available to me yet, but one of the conversations we did have was with John Callahan. Callahan? Kelleher, yeah. Kiora. Kiora. From across the ditch. And he is a serial entrepreneur and he has, you know, a fair bit to say about not only what he's doing but what he has been able to do in the past. Yeah, so Flowingly has just done a $4.5 million pre-series A. It's a really fascinating um, software business for process mapping and workflow automation for, and what he's targeted here is the mid-market business customer. So, you know, you don't need all of the IT guys and engineers around to make things happen. But... He's a serial entrepreneur, and at the end of our interview, I just thought, you know what, I'm going to ask him about his advice for other startup founders. He was kind of, he's a very modest bloke, you know, for all of his experience, and he kind of cracked a joke first and sort of saying, well, most of the things you need to know you'll find on the internet. But then he drilled down and he absolutely nailed it. So listen to this. This is what you should have written up on your wall about how you tackle being a startup founder and why you're there. Make sure you're solving solving a problem. Go out and validate that as much as you can before you you go too far down the rabbit hole, and then and then also ha- have a higher value as well. Question why you're doing it. It's um, if you're just doing it to make money, for example, you're probably not going to be successful. It needs to be something you're really passionate about, because if it's if it's something you're passionate about, it's something you enjoy, and and it's not work. Um, you know, like I said, I, I do leap out of bed every morning. And um, and I, I I work quite long hours. I also have good work life balance, but it, it's not work when you really enjoy it. And really, there's two ways I guess a startup can not be successful. One is to um, run out of money, and the second is for the founders to give up. Generally, if you've got you've got enough money to get you to where you need to go, and you're determined, you'll be able to figure out where your product fits. Quite often, when you launch a product. What it ends up being can quite often be anywhere from a little bit to quite different what you thought it was going to be. You, you have a concept of, of the problem you're going to solve. You'll, you'll sort of build a prototype or, or an early early iteration of, of the platform. You'll go out to market and then really you'll start to be guided by, by client feedback. And you might also find that, yeah, the opportunity you actually end up um, chasing is slightly different from what what you thought when you first went in with the platform. I think what he said there is is so important. If you go in and just go, this is my product, I'm doing this, um, and then you're not open to the experience of learning more. I saw a great tweet which was basically like, don't build startups in stealth. There are people out there that can give you ideas. There's the market fit that you've got to find out how your product will help them. So if you're open to the experience, you're going to 
create something better. You've got to be open to experiences all the time. I do remember one of the things at South Start was Tom from Blackbird was on one of the panels. And of course, he came from the startup founder side into venture capital. He used to really dislike venture capital. (laughs) (laughs) And then he had this road to Damascus moment. And of course, now he's an evangelist on that side of the equation. Keep an open mind all the time. There you go. You can keep changing. It's one of um, Gaurav Kawar, who I spoke to uh, last Friday. It's certainly something that he must have done. So he is building out the Airtasker for artists, Simon. Yeah, I, look, I love this project. I think it's really cool in the way he sort of said, you know, we've got it for Airbnb, we've got it for Uber. There are all of these digital solutions for marketplaces bringing them together. Um, did you enjoy that conversation, Elliot? I really did. So, you know, I, I've been around a fair few artists uh, in, in my time and I've always wondered how they actually go about booking the work short of just, you know, slaving over the canvas in the workshop. And he said that actually, yeah, there wasn't much of an opportunity for this. And how he discovered that was on a trip to Cuba. Um, and I think his story is just is so funny because he went all this way to see an art work that was just a bit shit. Yeah, yeah, there is rude words in his quote as well. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, absolutely. But, look, take a listen because it is quite um, unique what he's been able to do. I was with my friends in Cuba, right? Uh, this is 2017. And we went on a 10-kilometer hike to see a mural that was painted on a mountain. So the Cuban government literally put explosives, carved the mountain flat, and they painted a beautiful mural on it. Well, I say beautiful. We walked 10 kilometers and we got there. And the first thing we thought was, that's a shit mural. (laughs) And on the way back, one of my friends said, it would have been nice if they knew how to find a good artist. And when they said that, I was like, well, how do you find a good artist, right? So if I want food, there is Uber Eats. If I want a taxi, there's Uber. If I want someone to help me with chores, there's Airtasker, property, Airbnb. But when you look at, suddenly you move towards an artistic world, it kind of falls flat. Technology hasn't caught up for the people and for the artist. So that's where I guess Book and came from. Well, that was Gurav about Book and Artist, which has just raised a million dollars and is getting ready to go global. Cool bunch of backers. Of course, Airtasker co-founder Tim Fung is in there, along with Amazing co-founder Rolf Hansen, uh, also back in the business with uh, Black Sheep Capital. So it'll be really interesting to see where that goes. So the next time you do need someone to paint the side of your house, you can jump on, and I'm not talking about just with a coat of Dulux, I'm talking about... (laughs) A mural, you know, that one of those great murals you see all around where I live in the inner west. Um, Book an artist is the place to go. I'll just work on getting that house with a side um, out onto the street, Simon. Absolutely. Easy. Now, we started the show on crypto, so it makes sense that we end there. And, of course, we're far away away from tax time, but it's never too early to think about how your crypto investments will be taxed. Absolutely, especially when the ATO is on the case. And we had a great piece on startupdaily.net this week from Alex Zinzopoulos from William Buck, the taxation advisors who help a lot of startups along the way. He just went into the whole non-fungible token NFT thing. It did my head in because, of course... I didn't even think for a second about GST, but, you know, that's one of the issues about it. And I did ask him, look, is the ATO really onto this? The short answer, TLDR, is absolutely. And here's how he explained it. It's it's similar to to crypto. We know crypto had it had its boom and it really took off a few years ago. Now it's NFTs turn in the spotlight, and with NFTs and any sort of new and novel technology that's being rolled out, 
the tax implications of it, how you, how you transact with NFTs can be quite complex. Um, so it's very much something that's come under the ATO's radar at the moment. Um, and you kind of fall into two general buckets. And one of them is whether you're creating the NFTs or whether you're buying and selling the NFTs. So when you're creating the NFTs, if you're a tech company or maybe using another type of entity, that's a lot more straightforward. It's just straight out revenue, which means you make a profit on sale of the NFTs, you pay tax on the whole amount of that profit. Where you're buying and selling NFTs, so maybe the, you know, your mum and dad investor or maybe someone who's a sophisticated investor, that's where it can get a little bit tricky. So on one end of the spectrum, if, it's got, if you have NFTs maybe just part of your overall investment portfolio, so you, know, you have assets like NFTs, shares, maybe property, and you're just kind of buying and selling them, that's more likely to be on capital account, which means if you make a profit on the sale of that NFT, you only pay tax on 50% of the profit. That's where you want to be if you make mm. a gain on the sale of the NFTs. On the other end of the spectrum is if you're a trader in NFTs. And if you're a trader in NFTs, so you've got a lot of knowledge about them or experience, you've got uh, a lot of capital invested, or you've got some uh, you know, quite complex business systems and procedures in place, and you're dealing with thousands of transactions a year, that could indicate you're a trader. And when you're a trader in NFTs, then the ordinary income rules apply, which mean, again, like creating NFTs, if you make a gain on the sale of them, you pay tax on the whole amount. You don't get any 50% CGT discount. So Simon, is that something you're going to have to watch out for at tax time? Have you got a few NFTs, maybe a board ape or two? I'm just a board ape, mate. I haven't got <laughs> any of them. But, um, you know, what a wild thing. You can read more about that, of course, on uh, startupdaily.net. Have a look for it. Everything you need to know about NFTs and tax liabilities in Australia. It sounds kind of dry and boring, but you know what? If you're into the space they're going to find out, they're going to come knocking and you could end up with a massive tax bill if you're not planning ahead. And of course, looking ahead, Simon, we do of course have, you know, it's a couple of weeks away now, but there is the budget and I'm sure a lot of crypto investors and startups will be looking for a few little treasures in at the chest. Yeah, well, coming up on the show next week, we will be talking to a range of people about their budget shopping list. We, of course, will have all of the budget reaction when it lands on uh, March 29. But uh, in the meantime, Elliot, why don't we just go and have a great weekend? I'm pretty excited because the footy's back. Well done to the Melbourne Demons who absolutely smashed their grand final right in the opening match of the season on, what was it, Wednesday night, and then Luke Beveridge gave a rather extraordinary press conference afterwards. But, uh, yeah, I'm chuffed because the footy's on. Uh, so will you be at the SCG? Oh, it's GWS Giants that they're starting with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it's down Sydney in, Derby. It's down in Melbourne, and I'm oh. actually away. So <laughs> uh, uh, can I say congratulations to the bride and groom. My sister-in-law is getting married uh, this weekend. I'll be down there doing that because, of course, it got postponed from COVID. So we're giving it another crack, Elliot. Fingers crossed. Everyone be healthy. We hope you're all healthy and happy out there. I know a few people did come back with a bit of COVID from Adelaide, but, you know, that could also just be a hangover too. Oh, it's just life these days, isn't it, Simon? Well, we'll wrap it there and have a good weekend. We'll see you next week.